This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Science Notes, a programme on Otago Access Radio brought to you by the Science News and Promotion Group at the University of Otago. Join me, Dave McMorrin, as I chat with graduate science students. We'll find out about their research, why they do science at all, and what music they enjoy. Science Notes, Thursdays from 6.30 to 7pm, only on Otago Access Radio. Well, good evening, and welcome to Science Notes for another week. My name's Dave McMorrin, and this week, our guest is Tanwin Ward. Hi, Tanwin. Hi. I'm really happy to be here. It's been a bit of a, a process um, trying to get Tanwin on the show. We've, um, in theory, we were supposed to be here in person this week, but lockdown has, um, again, complicated things, so we're doing this by Zoom, but I think it'll be fine. So your uh, whereabouts? Uh, I'm currently based in Hamilton. Um, I have been for the entirety of my PhD journey so far, and it's been possibly one of the benefits of being a distance student in COVID times meant that I wasn't disrupted significantly yeah. by anything. So why is it then that you're doing a PhD at Otago if you're based in Hamilton? How did that um, work? So essentially it came about because I um, did my undergrad in uh, Hamilton uh, at Waikato University in psychology and um, I have a really kind of passionate interest in autism um, and I did my honours dissertation uh, on a topic uh, in autism and I found it was incredibly hard to find a supervisor in the psychology department at Waikato who could right. support me. Yeah. Um, in that area and uh and luckily i had a contact who uh was based down in dunedin um who she's not part of the university but she she had a lot of contacts at the university um and she kind of put me through to um dr gareth trahan at the um psychology department and he has done a lot of research and kind of identity formation and things um as well as uh trans identity and things so i kind of brought up the idea with him and he just immediately was said that sounds amazing let's do it um and so I managed to find a couple of supervisors who really kind of push the interest and although they don't have a lot of experience with tabletop role-playing games they do have a little bit of experience with autism but mainly they just they they wanted to take the chance um excellent well um, so this is what we're going to be talking about tonight, is, is autism and tabletop role-playing games. But before we get into it, let's play a bit of music. So the first bit of music you brought along is? Uh, so it's Imaginary Girl by the Silver Seas, um, which just has a really kind of nice vibe to it. Um, it's actually both of the songs that I brought today are um, ones that my parents introduced me to. Um, and Imaginary Girls just like a really cool kind of love song to the person you've made up in your head. I was stranded in the middle of the night I was 
Listen to Science Notes on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM, where this time we're talking to Tamwin Ward, who's doing a PhD in psychology at Otago University, although, as we were just saying, you're actually based in Hamilton, the North Island. So how was it then that you, um, you've ended up doing this PhD research um, in autism? I mean, you've said that you've done some work, you did some undergraduate study in this, but it seems like you've also had a lot of connection in the community anyway. Is this correct? Yeah, that's that's completely correct. So I, um, my mum is actually a clinical psychologist um, who helped uh, develop the New Zealand Autism Spectrum Disorder Guidelines. Um, and so they were a first, the, basically the world's first all of life guideline for supporting, for kind of recommending and supporting autistic people in the community. Um, my brother is also on the spectrum. Um, he's not formally diagnosed, but we often kind of talk about um, how having a clinical psychologist for a mother who is specialised in autism kind of means that you don't really need to get a diagnosis. <laughs> Um, but he is a absolutely wonderful human being, um, and and he now lives in Brisbane. So, um, but uh, yeah, so I already kind of had that base interest um, and involvement, and of course, I, I kind of a lot of my mum's contacts um, in the autism community I got to know quite well um, growing up, and uh, and then when I got to university and was studying psychology. Um, I found that it was um, my undergraduate studies were kind of lacking in disability focuses in general, um, and there was almost nothing about autism. 
um, which was kind of surprising because coming from a kind of family where I know a lot of clinical psychologists, I, it was surprising to, to kind of not learn anything about it. Um, and, uh, and then when I did my honours dissertation, I looked at um, how I was really focused on, on autism and gender and specifically looking at kind of how autism characteristics are recognised in girls rather than boys. Um, and I focused on primary school teachers, as a lot of the time primary school teachers can make up a, a significant proportion of the people who report first concerns, which lead to a diagnosis. Um, and so if there's a gender bias or a, or a kind of misunderstanding of how autism presents in girls, then maybe girls won't be kind of put forward to being um, seeking out that diagnosis. Um, so that was kind of what I did with the um, honours dissertation. And through that, I, I connected with um, kind of with, with critical autism studies, uh, which is a really amazing um, field of research that's multidisciplinary and it looks at kind of challenging the power dynamics um, within research and autism um, and there's a really big focus on kind of uplifting and, and focusing on strengths and, and really challenging deficit focused assumptions yeah. of autism. So rather than starting um, with the with the idea that that someone on the spectrum is somehow broken for want of a better word, <laughs> um, focusing more on what people can do rather than what they exactly, can't do. Yeah. yeah. And how do we challenge society um, to kind of better support individuals with neuro neurodiversity rather than um, kind of forcing them to fit in yeah. to this world that us neurotypicals have created? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just really quite fascinating. Um, and then I've also worked a lot in the autism field too. So I, I've run social skill support groups. Um, I don't like calling them social skill development groups, but they're, they're more about kind of helping young autistic children, teenagers and adults um, connect with each other and find their tribe, um, meet other people who have had similar life experiences. Um, and then I've also uh, travelled the country and trained support workers um, as part of Altogether Autism to uh, kind of provide professional development training on autism. So... Yeah, quite a lot of immersion. <laughs> so the PhD then really is is um is just an excuse to do research and something that you're really doing anyway. Pretty um, much, yeah. And then the other, the, I suppose, your specific bent in the whole thing is this business about tabletop role playing games, and this also seems to be a PhD is an excuse to do research into something you like doing anyway. So Pretty much, it's very much a passion project. <laughs> so in particular, you're you're interested in something called Dungeons and Dragons. Which I have to admit, I remember dabbling in a little when I was about thirteen, which wasn't yesterday. So D and D's been around for a long time, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I believe it was first published in nineteen seventy four. Yeah. Um, and it slowly kind of took off, and 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 it had a really big kind of period of popularity in the eighties. Yeah. Um, and then in the nineties, um. There was a there's a thing called Satanic Panic, um, where there were a lot of communities concerned that um, engaging and playing Dungeons and Dragons and other tabletop role playing games was um, encouraging people to get involved with satanic rituals and and that kind of thing. So there was a lot of um, kind of public outcry, and it was associated with um, teen suicide and, and all sorts of quite dark things. Um, but 
that luckily has um, kind of there's been a lot of research that actually looked into that and uh, and it's been proven that it wasn't linked with with um, kind of what what a lot of these kind of fear mongers were saying yeah um, and then in recent years it's it's really taken off mm. in popularity Dungeons yeah. and Dragons has become mainstream now yeah and um, there's I mean, celebrities um, playing it on YouTube now and, and there's TV programs and and, um, and there's places and around town. And, you know, in Dunedin, yeah. there's a place, and I know Wellington, there's a place um, right behind Unity Books um, where I'm often yeah, at. Well, and you see people in there playing all day. And... Exactly, yeah. There's a, there's a few cafes where they do a lot of tabletop role-playing games around the country. Um, there's a lot of clubs that are kind of really surging in popularity now as well. So I know that um, Otago University has the um, Otago Role-Playing and Board Game Society, which um, is based uh, on campus. And they I've managed to go along to one of their meetings the last time I was down, and they're really lovely people and meet every week to play either board games or tabletop role-playing games. Right. So. So what then is the connection between a tabletop role-playing game and autism for you? Um, yes. Well, so really it came from my, um, my interest in tabletop role-playing games. So I started playing Dungeons & Dragons specifically with a group of friends while I was also running these social skill support groups with, with autistic teens. And as I was playing these games myself and getting really into them, I was starting to really identify these amazing benefits from what I was experiencing. And kind of the psychologist brain in me was thinking, how do I harness these benefits and how do I kind of really use this to support the young people that I'm working with who already have an interest in fantasy and science fiction? Um, and because it was all things like uh, not only are you doing a bit of literacy and numeracy while you're playing, but you're also working on kind of stepping into someone else's shoes. Uh, you're, you're kind of taking on a persona that is not necessarily your own. You're uh, working with a group of people um, with different skills. And, and often it's just just purely the action of sitting down at a table and playing a game with another group of people with a group of people for four hours usually it's that's an, an intensely social experience mm. and and um I kind of took the tabletop role-playing games that I was playing and I developed a service for the the company that I was already working for and and we started running tabletop role-playing games for the teenagers who were coming to our, our service and um, it immediately took off. We had um, the most well well attended and um, most popular service of the autism services we were running um, and I've stepped away from that while I'm doing the PhD but my um, colleagues who have continued running it now are running it on two nights of the week and supporting upwards of I would say about 40 kids, mm. um, which is really cool. Um, and so, and we've seen amazing developments where it's, it's not just developing social confidence, but now they've actually got groups of kids that they call their friends and they can go to birthday parties and they can talk about their interests with each other without worrying that someone's going to glaze over. Um, and so it can be, it's just really awesome to see how playing a game has really impacted other facets of their lives. Um, and so that really inspired the interest in, in creating or in, in looking at um, autistic adults who 
engage in tabletop role-playing games without accessing a service. Um, and and that kind of, I, I like the way that the kind of the, the, the idea challenges the deficit or the, the deficit focused assumption about autism that autistic people aren't social or aren't mm. interested in being social. Yeah. Um, and having a kind of, yeah, if, if I've, I've interviewed a huge number of um, autistic adults who, who got involved with tabletop role-playing games through friends or family and uh there are some who have been playing for 25 years um, weekly and uh, and kind of what's really coming through from my participants is the idea that they're, they're connecting and they're, they're forming these kind of initial surface connections with other people, um, but then that becomes a much deeper emotional connection. Um, and not only are they exploring how they interact with other people, <clears throat> but they're exploring themselves and figuring out where they fit and within their lives and within society. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, so, so what does it really... mean? Sorry. So what does it mean you... about um, what makes this different to say sitting down and playing Monopoly? Um, what it kind of comes back to the taking on a persona. Um, yeah. One of my participants beautifully put it as um, this layer of abstraction. Um, and I had another another participant who who talked about um, bonding through emotional trauma, even though you're not experiencing emotional trauma, um, where you're essentially um, sitting down with a group of people um, creating this character, and, and quite often people will pour parts of their personality into their characters, and um, and then they use that character to overcome kind of these difficulties that the the dungeon master puts in front of them. Um, and so when you're working closely with a group, it's I, I would kind of more liken it to playing team sports than I yeah. would to playing other board games mm -hmm. um, because you're actively working together towards a goal. Um, and I've always found games like Monopoly being competitive. Yeah. You're often working against each other rather than working together. Um, and tabletop role-playing games have that very big social element where you're, you're creating a story together. So it's not just what's happening on the, on the table. It's, it's what's happening in the collective imagination. Um, and, yeah, so, so kind of people are putting themselves into these characters and they're exploring different scenarios with each other. Um, and that kind of creates that deeper emotional connection without necessarily having 25 years of friendship behind them. Um, we had one of my participants talked about how she created her character um, to show her friends that she cared about them in a way that she felt she couldn't do in person. Um, and that was by playing a cleric who is traditionally a healing class. So they will, she spends her time in game making sure that her other, the other characters stay alive. Right. And she does that through baking cookies um, and giving cookies out, so so that kind of heals them. So um, it's a really kind of interesting way that she's used her character to explore how she connects with the people around her. So your your notes that you sent me um, suggest that you're hoping, COVID willing, to submit in early next year. Mm -hmm. So what sort of results have you found so far that are going to be the sort of the focus of um, that the highlights, if you like, of your thesis? 
Yeah, well, so um, I'm doing a qualitative analysis using grounded theory, which is a um, a theoretical uh, words. It's it's kind of like a a methodology that encompasses the entirety of the research process. So where some methodologies might only tell you how to do the research, or might only tell you um, kind of yeah the the specific step by step thing um, to do. It's instead grounded theory encompasses encompasses kind of right from the very start of, of how you frame your research questions to the very end of developing this theoretical model of what you think is going on. So really, the base of it is is I want to answer the question of how and why do autistic adults play tabletop role playing games, um, and develop a theoretical model to explain what's going on there. Um, and so, so I'm kind of in the depths of analysis right now, um, and that's been a really interesting process because I was trained as a as a quantitative researcher. So, so where quantitative analysis usually takes a relatively short period of time, um, qualitative analysis requires you to sit in this really an uncomfortable space yeah. where you go, "This doesn't quite fit together," and I've yeah. just got to think about it. Um, yeah. And so, where's so, the data? Yeah, so I'm, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, and so it can be really tricky, but um, currently kind of connecting is a really big part of what I'm looking at. And so um, I'm actually looking at the idea of presenting my results visually as a dungeon map, as an old school dungeon map, where um, currently I've got kind of in, in thematic analysis, they would call them themes. So, but in grounded theory, you have codes, which are your little kind of bite-sized pieces of data, um, and then you have your categories, which are these kind of larger, encompassing um, pieces, kind of where it would that cover. They're more like umbrella terms, and then you kind of through analysis, you are led to this core category, and then the theoretical model is the explanation of how everything fits together. Um, and so what I'm what I'm currently seeing is that there are these two stages of connecting where it's both uh, surface level connections with people they might already know or people that they've that they're meeting specifically to play tabletop role playing games with, and then moving through this stage of of supporting each other and, and accommodating needs at the table and um, exploring their own personalities and developing understanding with each other. And then that leads to this deeper level of connecting, which ultimately helps a um, person to really feel like they belong. Um, and that is ultimately what a lot of us want. We want to yeah. be able to feel like we belong. Um, and so through this process of connecting and exploring, um, these autistic adults are finding their tribe. And it doesn't necessarily mean connecting with other autistic people, but it's finding those people that they can connect really deeply emotionally with and have this kind of consistent social interaction. Well, um, it sounds fantastic. but And we could talk all day, but we're just about out of time, <laughs> I think. Um, thank you so much for, for, for zooming in, for your patience, for getting this sorted in the first place and for zooming and telling us what you've been up to. Um, and all the best for the remaining of the, the writing of the thesis and the data analysis. Um, Thank you so much. Hopefully at the end you'll have something that can then be shared with others in lectures, in undergrad lectures. Oh, that is, that is the plan. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And thank you out there, everyone, for listening, um, as usual. 
we will go out with Tamwin's second piece of music, which is? Uh, it's The Chariot by the Cat Empire, which I discovered when I was about eight years old, and it's been a favourite of mine ever since. a song that came up for me one night when the news it had been telling me about one more war and one more fight and I, I sighed but then I thought about my friends then I wrote this declaration just in case the world and our guns we shot them in the things we said oh we didn't need no bullets cause we rely on some words instead kill someone in an argument out with them with our brains and we kill ourselves are laughing at the funny things we say I bones we had them safe for special times when the crew would call us shakedown. We break down our party landmine women. That's so sexy, they explode us with their looks. Are we blowing up some speakers, jumping around till the grass shook? And missiles. They were the road trips that we launched. A trip, tripping cross this island, starting missions at the break of dawn. Yawn and smile, say, what direction shall we take? Somewhere where it warm and wet. This bit of route we'd always take. And our weapons were our instruments, made from a timber. And still, we never yielded to conformity But stood like kings in a chariot that's riding on a record Thank you everyone for listening and I'll just remind you that you can listen to the show again next week at the same time and then at your leisure as a podcast from the Otago Access Radio website which is oar.org.nz. Science Notes, brought to you by the Science News and Promotion Group at the University of Otago. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.